Welcome to Snazzy Stories. Put some pepper in thy step and lend an ear to the terrific tales of the past. Welcome to Snazzy Stories. If you would like to keep the storytelling alive, please go to patreon.com slash snazzy stories and donate to my storytelling adventure. Also subscribe to Snazzy Stories on iTunes, Spotify, many other podcast apps, or go to snazzystories.com and leave an awesome review. World War I began with the assassination of Archduke Ferdinand in 1914. It became known as the Great War and involved 30 nations. The United States did not enter the war until 1917. Tensions had been building with the sinking of the Lusitania when German U-boats sunk a British passenger ship that had 128 American citizens on board. But still, we remained an isolationist country. However, the Zimmerman telegram began to change the isolationist view of the United States. British authorities had intercepted a telegram that was sent from the German Foreign Secretary, Arthur Zimmerman, to the German Ambassador of Mexico. The telegram stated that if Mexico would help Germany in the war and become their ally, then Germany would help Mexico reclaim land from the United States, such as Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona, land that Mexico had lost after the Mexican-American War between 1846 and 1848. Also in 1917, Germany declared unlimited sea warfare on all ships, not just military vessels. After both of these events, President Woodrow Wilson went to Congress to ask to declare war, and they did. All American states and people in the United States were affected by World War I. Utah had only been officially a part of the United States for 21 years, becoming a state in 1896. And the United States government did not feel Utah was trustworthy. The historical relationship between the people of Utah and the United States government was not a healthy one. A major incident occurred in 1857 with the Utah War, in which false rumors were spread that the Mormon people of Utah were in rebellion against the government, and that led to President Buchanan sending an army led by Albert Sidney Johnston to Utah to squash the Mormon rebellion. However, the president had been misinformed, and there was no rebellion. But Johnston's army stayed in the West creating Camp Floyd to help keep an eye on the Mormon people. But unfortunately for the soldiers at Camp Floyd, they got incredibly bored watching the non-rebellious Mormons, and many ended up drunk most of the time, and some even committed suicide. After three years of Camp Floyd being in Utah, the Civil War broke out, and the soldiers ended up leaving Utah to go and fight in the Civil War. During the Utah War in September of 1857, the Mountain Meadows Massacre happened where the Mormon people killed 120 unarmed men, women, and children pioneers who had come from Arkansas and were on their way to California. There are many interesting facets that go into that story and will be one for another day. And then there was the issue of polygamy. The Mormon people had been practicing polygamy since before they moved west, but when they reached the western territory, more of the Mormon people were living in this lifestyle. The federal government passed laws against polygamy to put the people in Utah in check. However, many LDS people went into hiding instead of stopping the practice of polygamy. 
1862, the Moral Anti-Bigamy Act was passed, which stated that no one could be married to more than one person at a time and that no church in the territories could own more than $50,000 worth of property. This law was not heavily enforced, though, because in 1862, there was a civil war going on in the country, and the United States government didn't have time to deal with polygamy. However, 20 years later, in 1882, Congress passed the Edmonds Act, which stated that polygamy was punishable by five years of imprisonment and a $500 fine. Polygamists could not hold political office, serve on a jury, or vote in elections due to the Edmonds Act. Then, five years later, in 1887, the Edmonds-Tucker Act was passed, which took away the right to vote for all Utah women, which they had received in 1870. This also took away the right to vote for all polygamous men. LDS Church property was confiscated. The LDS Church could not use its own buildings without paying hundreds of dollars of rent each month. The federal government took the church's sheep and cattle ranches, coal mines, and stores. This law was particularly devastating to the LDS people. However, this did not stop their polygamous lifestyle. As mentioned before, many men went into hiding, although many ended up in prison. Polygamy was not abolished by the LDS Church until 1890, when the realization came that in order to become a state, they would have to give up the practice and become law-abiding citizens. The Utah War, the Mountain Meadows Massacre, and polygamy were all a part of the sordid past relationship between Utah and the federal government. Therefore, when America entered World War I, Utah believed this was their time to shine and prove to the other states in the Union, as well as the United States government, that the people of Utah were trustworthy, patriotic Americans. Utah farmers sent food to help with the food shortage occurring in Europe. Utahns, along with other Americans in other states, began growing their own food, which were nicknamed Victory Gardens. President Wilson also asked the women in Utah who were a part of the LDS Relief Society to donate the 200,000 bushels of wheat that they had stored, and they did so. Also, because the mining industry was booming in Utah, particularly the Kennecott Copper Mine, Utah produced much of the copper and other minerals used to supply guns and ammunition for the war effort. Not only did Utah send supplies to the war effort, but the people of Utah also went to fight in the war. Over 4.7 million Americans served in World War I, and 21,000 of those who served were from Utah. We also sent 80 nurses and ambulance drivers. Of those 21,665 died during the war, and 864 people were wounded. All of these 21,000 Utahns have a story, and here is one of those stories, the story of Maud Fitch from Eureka, Utah. When the United States entered the war, Maud wanted to serve on the front lines, where the action was, and when she heard that women were driving ambulances in France, she quickly pursued that position. At 35 years old, she signed on with the Women's Motor Unit in France. However, the organization required her to have her own ambulance and supply herself ahead of time with a six-month supply of gas and oil. Luckily, Maud's father, Walter Fitch, was a wealthy miner in Eureka, Utah, and could financially support his daughter's military service. She sailed for France, and when she arrived, she lived in a hotel in Paris until she was given her assignment. But while waiting for her assignment from an organization that she came to believe was very unorganized, she began volunteering to help refugees, 
and then she tried to find temporary work driving an ambulance for the Red Cross. Maude wanted to, quote, get into the action at once, unquote. She did not want to be sitting on the sidelines watching. She stated, quote, and to think at last I shall get into the very vortex of the greatest conflict in the history of the world. If only I shall have the right stuff in me to benefit by it, to go into it and come out with one soul and heart, all fire tried, unquote. The Red Cross ambulance driving position fell through, but she heard some exciting news from her family that a private British women's ambulance driver's organization, the Hackett Lowther Unit, needed a driver. Maude joined with them. The ambulance unit was under the French Third Army and supervised by a French lieutenant. Maude drove with a convoy of ambulances towards the center of the German Army's spring offensive. When they arrived, their quarters were in an area being shelled by the Germans. Maud rescued five wounded soldiers by night on May 30th. With troops, cavalry, and trucks all over the roads, she bribed those who were directing traffic with cigarettes to let her ambulance pass through. She was able to find the hospital without directional signs because they had been destroyed in the shelling. Usually when ambulance drivers would pick up the wounded, it would be at first aid stations near the front lines after they had been removed from the battlefield on stretchers and then they would drive them to hospitals. However, sometimes they would do back evacuations from a hospital near the front lines to one farther away. Often the hospitals would become overcrowded, especially near the fighting, and no more patients were accepted. Sometimes Maud would have to drive 25 to 30 miles over terrible roads to hospitals behind the lines, and the wounded in the back of her truck would suffer horrible pain over those bumpy roads. Of another rescue, Maud states, quote, An aviator just fell about a half a mile over the airfield, and I had to go after him and take him back, across country, over a terrible stretch. At one time, in a potato patch, I got stuck as too many doctors had got in with me. With a wild prayer, I was out of the hole in only a second, and then I had to make a horrible race for the hospital, four kilometers away, and over such a terrible road. If I jarred him... He would die. If I didn't make it in time, he would die. I shall dream of that four kilometers all the rest of my life. But I got the poor thing there alive. Unquote. Because of her bravery, the French government awarded her the French Cross and eventually the accompanying gold star. In 1918, the Salt Lake Tribune reported of the women ambulance drivers, quote, These women have performed the work of men. They have fulfilled their dangerous duties unflinchingly, unquote. After the war, Maude returned to Eureka, Utah, and married Paul Hillsdale and had one son named Paul. The state of Utah proved itself to be patriotic, trustworthy Americans through the war efforts, and all of the people from Utah who served in the war helped make that happen. People who served, like Maude Fitch, who went to the front lines with the intention of saving lives, fulfilled one of the highest duties of service to their fellow brothers and sisters in arms. Thank you for listening to Snazzy Stories. Come back again where everyone has a story.